This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, the Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn dog! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 128 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. And it was a wild game in Pittsburgh tonight. The Bruins fight back from a 5-2 deficit in the third period and end up winning in overtime. Um, 5-2 over the, uh, 6-5 over the, over the Penguins, and they're 9-1 in the season. So, guys, I mean, a couple injuries to discuss as we go along here, but what a, what a crazy game. They might never lose again. I mean... <laughs> If, if you're not going to lose this game, like they had absolutely no business winning. You fall. First off, you get off to a slow start, uh, you know, on the road against a desperate team that was coming off um, a terrible road trip. You knew the Penguins were going to be desperate. So you'd slow start. Then you end up falling behind 5-2. Derek Forbert gets injured, leaves the game, doesn't return. Linus Allmark finally looks human, gets pulled in the second period after the fifth goal. Jeremy Swayman comes in, then Jeremy Swayman gets hurt, leaves the game, doesn't return. So Allmark has to come back and like just all that should have been way too much. And yet they come back, they tie it with a little over a minute left on, on a great play by Taylor Hall, uh, settling a rebound, turning around, firing it past Tristan Jerry. And then went in an overtime from Hampus Lindholm, who, had gotten not I thought had through two periods was having a, a pretty poor game. Like his I was like his first very like, disappointed yeah. in how he played defensively. Uh and then I was like I was expecting to come on here and, and talk about that because we hadn't seen that from him yet. But he was on the ice for I don't know at least three of the goals and was responsible well, for some of the like breakdowns in coverage. Four goals, Bry? Uh, no, yeah, I think he had four points. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no. So four then points. he, he ends he up with, he ended up with an he was a minus three at one point. He ended up with an even rating on the night. Exactly, which just tells you like the defensive part of his game was not there. But uh, you know, the, the his ability to use his skill set and his speed and um, you know, just create offense from it. Like it, it was just, I completely expected to come on here and kind of rip him, but then he redeemed himself in other ways. So the defensive side of his game was 
kind of ugly at times. He was on the, you know, on the backside of some of these guys when they scored um, out of position or, um, you know, he just did not look good, especially in the first period um, playing on the defensive side of things, but then obviously scores the game winning goal. And you're like, that was an incredible shot. And he skated the puck all the way up the ice on his own. And like, he, he completely made that play out of nothing. And so it was like, all right, defensively his worst game as a Bruin, probably at least his worst game of the season. And then offensively, maybe his best game as a Bruin. So it was just such a, I swear to God, like that game was drunk. It was just out of control. I wasn't, by the way, they win and they get a great overtime win. I did not enjoy like two seconds of that game. That game was just driving me absolutely crazy, especially the stuff with like Tristan Jari and like they hate him for some reason. And it's like I, I dates back further than this year, like Marshawn punching him in the face and high sticking him in the face. I have no idea what he did to them or or what the hell. Maybe you guys know. But I, I, I don't they don't like that he flops, which he does. Oh, he does flop. Oh, it was so bad. And we can talk about that too. The goal that got called back by Bergeron, whether or not you guys thought that was goaltender interference. But definitely um on the play that Greer like kind of made contact with him, he just like fell down out of nowhere. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, some of the analysis was like, oh, you know, you gotta protect your goalie. I'm like, he was fine. <laughs> Who's also like fine. the first the first two times he got bumped it was a penguin player knocking a Bruin into him so it's like the you know ESPN's making a big thing about you got to clear guys out of there whatever it's like I don't know maybe don't knock them into there in the first place like yeah and Mike Sullivan like Mike Sullivan with like and I understand coaches say this but like the subtle uh threat saying in in I think it was the second period or or something talking to Emily Kaplan on the bench he's like well, if the refs don't do anything about it, we're going to have to do something about it. I'm like, okay, well, did you, did you really see what happened though? Like it wasn't, don't push the guys into the crease and then maybe they won't be near your goalie and they won't follow through or they won't make contact or whatever you want to say. Yeah. I think the Bruins don't like him because he flops like you guys mentioned, but he also, you can tell he talks a lot of trash under that mask and, Oh yeah, he's he was talking with Felino. I saw Felino and him going at it at but one point. But even dating back to last year, like he, mm-hmm. he was he was chirping Marshan. That's why Marshan just like randomly punched. If you go back and watch that play last year, when Marshan punches him and then ends up high sticking him, like it's a it's a whistle on a normal play and nobody's doing anything. And all of a sudden Marshan just like starts to see red. So you know Jari said something, and it's it's it can be really annoying when the goalies do that because they know they're essentially untouchable. So they're kind of just throwing grenades without having the, the fear of having an answer for things. I think the Bruins find that annoying with him. I mean, on that front, I, I kind of have to give credit to Jerry. Like if you can get under guys skin that way, then by all means go for it. I mean, you got last year, you got Marshand off the ice and suspended for six games. Like, you know, more power to you that like, that's, that's on Martian, you know, getting sucked into that. But, um, I also feel like the flopping I definitely don't like though, but trash talk have at it. Yeah. But I feel like the way that it was done and I don't know, obviously we may, so people were mic'd up. Maybe eventually we'll, we'll hear what he said. Um, but hey, we got to hear a linesman ask for water. That was extremely (laughs) segments in that game were so bad. It was like Steve Levy or whoever was saying, we're going to go to the, the the mic'd up segment. And it's literally like Jake Gensel being like, like, he's like, he's breathing. (laughs) <laughs> or he's like, he's like, woo, like, and then like, 
that's it. It's like holy shit, ESPN. Like what a yeah, what a terrible broadcast they have going. I like Emily Kaplan. She does a nice job. Um, I I think Ray Ferraro does a good job. I mean, but my goodness, they got except for calling Linus Elmark Linus Linus the whole game, and also he was the one who. Sorry, Bri. No, I was just gonna say Ferraro also is like buying into the whole Bruins crash in the crease thing. It's like what? Like your son was your son was on the goddamn team two years ago. Have some class. (laughs) Um, but no, you know the producers were in their ears, like saying like you know. Oh, create the storyline that the Bruins are, you know, the big bad Bruins are char- charging the crease. Just annoying. I see. I'm I'm a play play broadcaster. I I tend not to listen to what the producers say about what I should say. So I, if someone said that to me, I'd be no. Um, but no, he was a little. He was on that, and then I think it was McDonough like offhandedly was like, well, he sold that a little bit, and it was true. He did. He sold it. What I was gonna say though about you know you saying Marshawn getting baiting baited into that last year. The thing is when you're Tristan Jari, sometimes if you set that like tone for the game, you end up getting your own guys involved in that too, though. Cause if someone doesn't immediately respond and retaliate to what you said, like it boils over later in the game and like you end up having Sidney Crosby going the other way and, and kind of taking a little shot at Allmark. You don't want your skilled players going down and doing that. And then they get retaliated again. It's just like a whole cascade that you set this tone. And it, I thought it was going to get ugly, honestly, at the end. If it wasn't a close game, if it ended up staying like a three-goal game, I thought maybe it would get ugly. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like to a man, they all kind of knew both teams that the Bruins weren't really doing anything all that crazy. I think that, like, the broadcast, like we said, they were building it up. And everybody watching at home knew it was – garbage and then i think the i think the players truly know when somebody's running your goalie or not like i don't know and you know it, it ended it did end up becoming a close game so um yeah mike yeah. sullivan kind of fed into it a bit too though yeah during, that's during, what i was during yeah. his in-game interview uh they asked emily kaplan asked him about it and he was like well that's twice that they've done it you know it's gonna the refs are gonna have to clean that up or our guys are gonna have to do something it's like emotional yeah so I mean, let's 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 jump back early on, kind of break down the game a little bit here. Um, Bruins Bruins go down one nothing. They they claw back in it. They take a two one lead. Um, Charlie Coyle scores. I think for the third straight game in a row. And, yeah. You know, good, good, yeah. Good play from uh, from Frederick going to the net. Um, and then Jacob Loco scores. Who we talked about with Mark Diver last episode. Uh, he must have had a couple couple chocolate donuts before this game because. Um, <laughs> He officially got his first NHL uh, career NHL goal on a nice feed from Nick Foligno on a two-on-one. Yeah, and I thought it was funny. Uh, so he did the first intermission interview at the ESPN. He said, like, the, the first thing he did was look at the ref to make sure it actually counted. <laughs> he, he had his first goal earlier this season, but it got waved off uh, for goalie interference. So, uh, yeah, but like you said, a, a great play by Felino, starting on the rush with speed. Uh, and then a nice, just kind of pulled up a little bit, a little delayed to open up that passing lane over to Lauko. And, you know, he had pretty much the whole net to shoot at by the time Jerry got across. Um, but yeah, I mean, more depth scoring to get them started, right? Coil again, and then the fourth line with with Lauko. And that's obviously been a theme all year. It seems like it's always someone in that group, you know, kind of ready to step early on. It was Greer and Felino with the hot hand and, now now coil's obviously been hot and now loco's getting in so 
Um, you know, Craig Smith had his first goal of the season the other night. And, you know, by the way, like we're going to talk about the two injuries in this game, but Craig Smith also injured right now, uh, suffered some sort of upper body injury in practice on Monday and missed this game, uh, you know, considered day to day. So, uh, Depth getting tested everywhere, but it's up front, at least, certainly uh, for the forwards. It's been coming through and still producing. Yeah, I mean, you get first period, you end up, you know, leading after the first period because it goes from your third and fourth line. And I also thought, so Nosek had some defensive issues, which usually we're saying offensively, Nosek, you know, can't finish, whatever. Defensively, Nosek's good. I thought he was, you know, he was on the ice for a few of the goals, too. He wasn't playing... uh, a lot of the guys weren't playing their best defense. I'll just be real. Like, especially in the first two periods, um, it was sloppy. It was ugly. No sick. I noticed guys had gotten behind him Debrusque, I think twice guys got behind him and led to, you know, led to a goal. But then in the overtime period, when no sick, I like, I literally stood up when I saw the play that he made to tap the puck out of the air and shoot the puck. Of course, off the post. Um, so I was like, that was one of the best plays I've seen at full speed, great hand eye. And I really wanted it for him because like he, it never goes. And then you see him get on the bench and just like try to break his stick. And you could sense the frustration. And it it was like, that would have been really good for him. Um, and it would have been really nice that if that was the ending to the game, like no sick fourth line goal, uh, gets the monkey off his back on this incredible play that like a lot of guys can't even make that play with their hand-eye coordination at that speed. So I, I thought that was an amazing play. I was hoping it bounced in for him just because wouldn't that have been nice for him? I think he closed his eyes when he was batting that out of the air. That was it. That was not very post-sec-esque. He got away with one there guys. He got, no, he got away with a nice play there. You know, it was a nice play to, to bat that down and get it. And I, get a quick release off um, just, just the way that it goes for him. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I've been on record. I didn't like his preseason at all, but since the regular season puck dropped, he's, he's been a lot better. And uh, yeah, I, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a matter of time. Maybe, maybe by, uh, by president's day or something. he'll probably uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a matter of time, I think, but to your point about like him not having a good preseason, um, that he made the lineup, he's stuck in the lineup, and that's why Jackson Ika isn't here anymore. And like that, they've made their decision in that realm, and it seems like you know he's got a safe spot at this point. We thought maybe at this point in the season, I mean, if the Bruins don't do this well, you know, maybe they do try to put more scoring on that fourth line. Maybe they do try to add a little bit of extra youth and speed to that fourth line, but they haven't needed to because those guys have stepped up. So his job went from being you know questioned to being pretty safe with the guy that was next in line getting traded. It's a matter of time in the same way that the sun eventually exploding is a matter of time. <laughs> so in a millennia or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> by, by the way, um, the, uh, the Vancouver Canucks are currently losing four, nothing to the Devils, So the Jack Seneca effect might be wearing off pretty soon. Oh, it was oh, going man. strong for a little. However, he wasn't in those games that they won though. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. 
there's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. But yeah, no, look, I mean, you have to love the effort so far um, and the production you, you're getting from throughout the lineup. I mean, so just to fast forward a little bit, because it was a crazy game, and we, we will jump back to the injuries and stuff uh, in a few minutes. But a, a shit show of a second period, the Bruins just kind of. I don't know. They didn't play. They didn't play like terrible. They just they weren't very sharp throughout the second period, and you know, next thing you know, they're down five two. Um, but midway through the third period, well, I think uh, Step Bergeron makes it five three. They call the goal back, and then Marsh mm-hmm. gets the power play, so he gets his third goal in his second game back in the lineup. Makes it five three. Seven Three power play goals for him too. Those all yeah. in the power play. Yeah, and, and and like we talked about the power play struggling. Like you bring you bring him into the lineup and his finish will just automatically help that. But um, about eight minutes to go in the third period, um, Hampus Lindholm gets a simple shot through through traffic and and Pavel Zaka is able to tip one home. And he's another guy just throughout your forward lineup that kind of gets a huge goal, makes you within one shot of tying the game. So just you know, discuss how how Pavazaka did today, and that, and that's in in Krejci's spot again. Yeah, it, it you know that I think he, he's been a little bit up and down there, but uh, getting that goal is huge for him. Like because you know, he's had some good stretches. We we talked in the last podcast about how he's also had some quiet stretches, um, but was I thought more involved overall today made some nice plays and then to end up getting rewarded with, with a big goal there during the comeback uh, was huge. And I thought that line um, in general looked good tonight. Uh, You know, like the rest of the team slow early on, took them a little while to get going, but once they did, like they looked like a really dangerous line again, which, you know, you kind of wonder like with Krejci out, okay, you know, can they do that? Can Zaka fill in kind of at least the same way that Eric Halla did last year where that could, could still be a good line. And I thought you saw more of that tonight. Um, and obviously, you know, they get the, both of the goals in the third period between Zaka and, the, and then Hall on the rebound to tie it late. Yeah. And so actually before this game even started, like I had done some like pregame notes and I wrote like, um Zaka needs to step up with Krejci out just like was going to follow him more closely throughout the game and because we'd seen stretches where he was quiet and he's played on every line now at this point besides the fourth line he's played he started out on the top line he's gone to the third line now he's centering the second line he's played like you know 
at least left wing and center. I, I forget if he ever spent any time playing right wing. But yeah, he did. He was he on the third play. line with Coyle and Frederick. Yeah, so he's been all over the place. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pay extra attention to him today because he's in this position where he's going to have to be more impactful in that spot where Krejci, you know, where Krejci usually is. And, and obviously he's out with the injury. And I, when I was watching him at points in the game, especially early on, I was like, okay, well, he still isn't like really changing the game, like the complexion of the game. And then finally he did end up, he did end up deflecting that shot in from Lindholm. And it was, it was beautiful. Like it was pretty much textbook, like perfect getting the stick on it. And he did have another play where he was at the doorstep on a shot and was like jamming at it. And you know, that was a, a decent scoring opportunity for him as well. And whereas in some games earlier in the season, especially at home, Scott, where we're able to like watch it in person, I felt like he kind of disappeared on the ice. I, I think that he did a better job today with actually like getting involved and not being someone that was as quiet, um, which is, you know, he hopefully this goal sets him in that direction even further. Yeah, and by the way, just quick detour to the to the stats corner because I want to look this up. When that line was on the ice uh, against the Penguins Tuesday night, Hall, Zaka, Pasternak, Bruins outshot the Penguins nine to two. Yeah, it it's that line was also not a defensive liability tonight, um, as in some other lines were. They did get scored on. I think they were on the ice for two goals against um i just didn't think I that guess they the made two shots that yeah that the penguins got with them out there but uh, I thought that not that that did... was like entirely their fault though. it was yeah i don't recall them being like part of a huge defensive breakdown it was a weird it was a weird game for that line because scott just mentioned the the chances for uh, and against when they were out there and it was heavily in their favor but the eye test kind of said it was kind of a quiet night for them. But then again, they they did have a couple of really, really good chances throughout the first half, first half of that game where it's like if one of those goes in, then you have a totally different perception of, of them that game. Like like Hall and, and Pashnak just barely miss on a couple of, you know, cross-ice, you know, one-timer attempts. And I know Zaka just missed a one-timer attempt. At a, I think it was on a power play, actually, on the right circle. But, yeah, I mean – um, as the game got into the final minutes and the final 10 minutes of that game, two of those three players had major goals, right? And the second one coming from Taylor Hall, who, um, you know, showed you, he showed you his, his first overall pick talent in just a matter of a couple of seconds. There aren't a lot of guys that can make that play that he did to tie the game five, five with the goalie pull, just the, the, to knock the puck out of the air and just do that quick spinorama and just, you know, quick release on the ice. That's, that's elite skill um, that you're able to see from a guy like Taylor Hall when, when he, when he capitalizes. And that was, that was a great goal for him, for the team. And he continues to have some really, really big goals this year. If they'd counted that Bergeron goal, he would have just extended his game winning goal lead i mean i think he was tied with getzel going into the game and he would have just gone up it ends up being a game tying goal huge because it came with a goalie pulled you know extra attacker on the ice well i think 117 118 left in the game um and i honestly wasn't sure they were going to pull off the comeback um they in the fact also that they end up as soon as you see that the hall gets the goal they're going to overtime you're like 
okay, well, that means a few things. It means, you know, that's not, a, there's not going to be an L, you know, there's not going to be another um, one added to the loss column. And Linus Allmark automatically is not going to get his first loss of the season. So you're like, okay, that that's good. He keeps his perfect, um, his perfect streak going in net. Uh, so he still doesn't have a loss and you're like, okay, well they get a point out of it. So they're still going to, you know, probably hold on to that first place spot though. I think isn't, aren't the golden Knights winning too, or, or did they win? Um, so they're going to stay up in the top of the league. So, you know, just even the fact that they made it to overtime um, was just a, a, like a Herculean effort to get there. And it was able to make all of those things happen. Yeah, and by the way, like I, I was just like, how devastating of a loss is that for the Penguins? You, they just had, like I mentioned, this horrible road trip, but they lose four in a row on the West Coast. It, you know, a team that, like the Bruins, was off to a great start. I think they were 4 and one before this trip. Then they lose four straight. They didn't lose at home until today. Yeah, they come back home. Looks like they're off to a great start, right? 5-2. The crowd's going crazy. You know, you're beating the best team in the league. And then they choke it away. Like that's not that and we almost... really particularly care about the Penguins' feelings right now, but like I, I'm just thinking, like that's that's gonna be brutal. Like for for a team that obviously has very high hopes as well, and I still think we'll be fine, but not a good place for them to be in right now. I'm really worried about how Tristan Jari's feeling right now. Yeah. Um, so I, I will say though, I wouldn't call like, I mean, sure. You could say they choked cause they gave up a three, you know, they were up three goals and they end up losing, but the Bruins, what they showed in that game was just that you, they can give up a goal 30 seconds in, come back. They can be down by three goals, come back. They, even if that ended up being a loss, they were going to have like, you know, four or five goals in it. So like they're scoring in all of these different types of situations. They're facing this adversity because coming back from three goals down is not an easy thing to do. It's you're not, you at that point in time, you have a very low percent chance of winning and they, they're able to do that. So as much as the Penguins kind of squandered their, their lead, the Bruins forced their hand in that. And, and actually like, in my mind, I thought the Bergeron goal probably should have stood so I think nah, I, I thought it, it was interference. I see, thought, I thought right that goal. I thought that his leg definitely made contact, but I didn't think it moved him enough to stop him from being able to make the play. I I don't to what Bridget just said. I think I don't think that Bergeron's contact with Jari. I think the goal would have happened regardless. But to Scott's point, and I hate to, I hate to toe the line here. Um, so on the one hand, I agree with Bridget, but on the other hand, based on the rule book and how the NHL calls goalie interference nowadays, um, I wasn't surprised in the least that they that they called that back just because of because of how the league is now. But I don't think in my heart of hearts it made a difference. But that doesn't it doesn't that's not um, that's not a valid argument anymore. Exactly, so, and I also think that because of the situations that happened earlier in the game, the refs were more likely to see it in a certain way because they had seen the contact with the goalie earlier and they had been hearing it from Sullivan, like, okay, hey, pay attention to this. Like, our goalie's getting, you know, bumped. And, and so, like, sometimes that plays into it as well. I wasn't surprised it got called back, but I thought that he would have been able to make 
the play. I didn't think that the contact stopped him from being able to make the play. Either way, they call it back, but that's just another yeah. goal. If you if you think about it in the in terms like me and Brian are saying, like that's another goal that the team scored. So if you just think about it, like okay, that would have been a, a seven goal game or a six goal game. You know what I mean? Like they're able yeah. to produce these scoring opportunities at such a uh, high volume that's hard to beat them. Yeah, and that's now twice this season that we've seen them, you know, in a game where you think, uh, you know, they're probably out of it, probably call it a night. And they come back, you know, that Ottawa game, which they end up losing, but they were down 3 nothing, came back. They're down 6-3, got it to 6-5. And, you know, we mentioned at the time, like, those are games that last year we saw a few instances, particularly against the Carolina Hurricanes during the regular season, where they get down by a few goals and – and it was over. Like there, there was no coming back. Game was over. Like by the end of the first period or halfway through the second, and you just had like no hope or expectations that they were going to be able to get back in it. Now this team, with the way their offense is going, and the way that like really any line can score, and, and the way that their star players have stepped up, you know, three goals with half a game to go, not crazy. Like. They, I don't know, they just might do it. So No, I think they've set such a high bar that it's like now we're going to just expect them to win even if they're losing by three. It's not, even, it's not even because of the fact that, like, they've shown they can do it this year. Because like, you're right, Scott. I, I found myself watching this game, and I, I felt the exact same way. Like, when, they, um, when the Penguins went up 5-2 and I, and, I, and, I, and I checked the scoreboard and I saw how much time was left in the game, if this was – if this was – any point in the last couple of seasons. And by the way, the last couple of seasons, the Bruins were still a top 10 team in the NHL standings wise. So it's not that they weren't good, but yeah, if they went down by three goals, four goals, you just knew it's like, well, the Bruins don't score four goals in a game or, or five goals in a game or six goals in the game. It's like, it's just, you knew to your point. It was like, when I, when I was writing the takeaways, I knew, I knew I could finish the game before the game finished. I guess the Bruins going to lose this game. Um, but tonight it, it, it was, it's like, no, I'm, 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 I know that the Bruins are going to score at least two more goals in this game. So it's just a matter of if they don't give up anymore. Right. Um, and, and, and they had chances to, when Pittsburgh was up five, three and even five, four, like Pittsburgh had chances to, to separate from the Bruins and, and they didn't, and then a chance to win an overtime on a power play and they didn't. And I think, um, oh, and by the way, how dare ESPN. How dare ESPN bring up the fact that the Bruins had only won twice in the last 10 years when being down three goals in a game or more and uh, regular season and playoffs included. And when they list those games, they, they talked about the Capitals game last year or the year before. And then there was one other game like a few years ago, but they didn't even include the Maple Leafs comeback in game seven. So I really got <laughs> the department there. Um but yeah, I, see, I, that I, was the games that they didn't win, but you forgot to talk about the games that they did win when they came back. But but they but they didn't even but the Maple Leafs game and it was 2013, so technically that should have been on the list. I yeah. don't know what so they must have just been looking at regular season games and yeah, their heads are up their ass over there. Well, see, see, none of us forgot about that one though. So well, if, I if mean, they don't, but if they don't talk about it, Bridget, they, they they mentioned it like eight times in the last four minutes of the game. At the yeah, Bruins. I know, Brian. I, we have our own text chain going about <laughs> our issues with the broadcast and how it goes, <laughs> and I can't say anything bad because I'm also employed by I ESPN so, <laughs> and Nesson. So. I know, I know, I know. Uh, anyway, 
that's the off off pod show. Yeah, that was right. the that's off air. You, you guys would be really interested to see our off air conversation. Hey, hey, Bridget, ESPN, Nesson, great broadcast, great broadcast. Um, anyway, no issues. No issues. Um, I think a I think a great microcosm of Hampus Lindholm's game, based off of your guys' comments earlier on, the Jekyll and Hyde effect he had this game, was the fact that he took the tripping infraction on on Malkin in overtime to to put the Penguins on the power play and potentially win the game. Um, the Bruins kill it off, and then Hampus goes end to end in like an NHL video game type rush and uh, and wins the game for the Bruins. Well, and right before that, he's the one who sets up Nosek for that other chance. It was Lindholm coming out of the box who gets the puck and starts to rush and makes the the aerial pass over to to Nosek. So, you know, one thing like that I thought of watching Lindholm as that game went on and he just kept getting more and more involved in offense and like really taking charge of the puck is it reminded me of like the way that McAvoy plays when the Bruins are trailing in a game where like McAvoy will just take over and yeah, get like a little reckless sometimes, but it's like, well, you're losing, like you got to get something going. So, you know, like McAvoy will just go for it. And it's some of, it's some of the most enjoyable hockey to watch to me because it's like, what what is he going to do? Like he'll try things that he won't try in a tie game or when they're protecting the lead. And I feel like Lindholm has some of that too, where it's like, he knows when they need offense, like he's like, okay, I can make some of this happen. Like, let me, let me, you know, take the puck up ice at, at full speed and like take guys on. And it's just, it's fun to watch. And it, it led to chances and ultimately ends up with them getting the winner. You only let a few guys do that too, right? Like there's only yeah. a few guys that you're like, okay, you have the leash to try these things because like, we know you could potentially do it. You could pull it off. So like you, you go, you, you go try it, but like, you're not going to see. Like McAvoy, uh, Lindholm. Yeah, McAvoy, Lindholm. Forbert. Yeah, if I was just going to say, maybe not Forbert, probably not Carlo. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we've ever seen him get creative, <laughs> you know, when they're down. I mean, Clifton might try it sometimes, whether you, whether you give him permission to or not. So. True, true. But he's been great this year, so yeah. you know what? Let, let him go for it. But I guess a good time to talk about the defense now that we – first of all, Strawman ended up playing, and we haven't – we've had a limited sample size with, with his game, so I want your comments on him. And also, what will – what happens now that Forbert's out um, and how big of a deal you guys think that is if he ends up being out for – you know, any amount of time, obviously the way we, the way that we saw it end with him was in the first period, he took a puck to the hand wrist area, right hand, um, and didn't come back into the game. And so concerning for me, because like he couldn't grip the stick and also just because he's been such like a rock solid defender for you and been such a key person on the penalty kill. Yeah, I mean, third on the team in ice time. Uh, him, you know, I wrote about, so from on Monday, I wrote a thing like five reasons the Bruins are off to their best start ever. And I had the Forbrook-Clifton pairing as one of the five. Like, they have been so big early on this season. And we've talked about it, how they went from, you know, third pairing last year and occasionally getting broken up or one of them coming out of the lineup to basically the second pairing so far this season. Like you, you look at 
minutes. You look at the role that they're playing and what the teams needed from them as other defensemen have been in and out of the lineup. And the two of them together have been rock solid. And Forbert has uh, obviously been very good. Um, yeah, it he, he it was on the penalty kill, so he had to finish the shift. He couldn't just go to the bench, but he really couldn't grip the stick with that right hand. And then uh, Emily Kaplan reported between periods that he was like already in street clothes and then the Bruins officially ruled him out. So obviously not great to, to have him ruled out that quickly. You got to imagine there's probably a good amount of swelling, um, but no further update after the game. It, it would be a, a pretty significant loss, especially because I don't think anyone that they, they have bodies to bring in, right? Like Jacob Zaboro and Mike Riley are there and you know, either one of them can be fine in, in a third pairing role, but they're not the same player that forward is. And I think that, you know, defensive, uh, just being really solid de- defensively, how much, how critical he is on the penalty kill. Um, those guys are just different players. So like that pairing is going to have to change. It's not going to be quite the same. So um, you know, especially for a team that has had some trouble defensively at times this year, losing, you know, one of your best true defensemen, uh, it would be tough to overcome if, if it, this ends up being, you know, any significant amount of time. And Scott, the has Riley officially been recalled to Boston? Because I know on they, paper they had sent him to Providence. He never actually like went down to play, but I don't. Has he been recalled technically? Yeah, that they didn't officially announce anything, but it looks like Krejci was put on injury reserve and Riley was recalled as the corresponding move to fill that roster spot. And all that all that means for Krejci is that he's out through Thursday. Um, the IR is retroactive to to his last game, so he misses a week. He could still be back Saturday, and you know, then they'll figure out they might they might have someone else going on IR now. So, you know. I guess they'll they'll cross that bridge when they get there. So, Brian, your thoughts on you know the the injury to forward and just the defense in general? Um, you know, maybe options for them with if he's out, or also just like your thoughts on the game um, and how they you know how the defensive pairs played. Well, I thought it was a pretty sloppy game. I thought by both teams defensively. Obviously, when eleven goals were put up between the two. I don't think either team played great defensively. Um, but the Derek Forber injury sucks because without a doubt, he's been playing his best hockey as a Boston Bruin. Um, I can't, I'm not going to lie and say I watched him in Winnipeg or, or LA. Um, quite frankly, I didn't even know who the hell he was. <laughs> but um, And that's saying something though, because Brian actually pays a lot of attention to other teams in the league. So I do, I do. But I mean, to be, but I, I think, when you're when when your two teams are located in Winnipeg, um, and then LA, I'm not I'm not watching LA games at 10, 10 o'clock local time here in Boston. So, um, but anyway, so that that's a that injury sucks um, for him. I hopefully it's not long term, but if it is, you're talking about a team who you know has been playing without their top defenseman and Charlie McAvoy. You, they played without. Grizzlick for you know the first almost first month uh, first three weeks of the season two and a half three weeks whatever it was uh Carlos missed time so 
I don't want to overreact and, and say like they're screwed if, if Orberg can't go for a little bit. But there's no doubt he's he's a nice role player and he's really excelling in that role and they would miss his presence. Um, Mike Riley doesn't bring to the table what Derek Forbert does. Like you, they, you don't. The good thing about Derek Forbert in your in your in your top six defenseman is that um, you're able to have diversity in your in your D men. Like for example, you don't want to have too many guys to do the same thing because then you're just not really cohesive. So like you have you have Lindholm and McAvoy as the all around guys. You know, Grizzlick's more of a puck mover. He's capable defensively, more, more of a puck mover. Carlo's obviously more of a shutdown guy. Um, but Derek Forbert's like the clear shutdown football defensive defenseman. He has whatever. You guys know what I'm trying to say. So it's 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 a sucky injury for him. But um, yeah, as far as your other question, Bridget, about Anton Strawman, I definitely think he has some conditioning to get to catch up on. Um, but I didn't really notice him too much tonight good or bad. So I guess that's probably means he had an okay night. Yeah. I mean, I would agree. I thought that he was, it was one of those things where we've said it before. I think Carlo would probably fall in the same category for me tonight where it was quiet, but in a good way where it's like, okay, that you didn't notice a huge defensive liability on the ice from Strom. And he was a minus one, um, not, not a single Bruins defenseman was, plus anything tonight, but that, I mean, that goes to the nature of this game being so like crazy high scoring and, and whatnot though. Four of them were even so that, I mean, that's, that's a feat in and of itself, but so Strawman ends up a minus one. However, I don't think he was like noticeably a liability. Oops. I was muted there for a second. Uh, I was wondering, I, I mean, he, so he was on for that for Malkin's goal and it looked like he was in position to break up the pass and somehow just got under his stick. So I think he just didn't have his stick always down on the ice. So I guess, you know, if you wanted to fault him on that and say like, you know, you got to find a way to just somehow get part of your body, your stick, whatever on that pass and break it up. Um, but yeah, other than that, I thought he was pretty solid for the most part. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So um, let's talk about the Swayman injury. The um, the Bruins, when the game was, was it 5-2 or 5-3 when he went down? But, uh, so it was, they pulled, I think they pulled Allmark at 5-2. Um, and then that would have been when he it came was, in. It was 5-3 when Swayman got hurt. Okay. So, so back was 5-3, Bergeron on a, on a back check goes down. Looks like his skate hits um, Swayman's pad when his, when his skate blade was up against the left post. And so when Bergeron made impact, it kind of – it looked like his knee, like, hyperextended. Um, so it looked really bad. When you, when you when you were able to see replays at first you may have thought maybe Bergeron's skate blade cut him 
No, that wasn't the case. It was a knee issue. Um, before I let you guys go, the latest I saw on Twitter after the game was that Swayman was seen outside the locker room or inside the locker room walking around, but with ice with ice packs on his knee. So he's walking, which is good news, but that's all. Yeah, I yeah Matt Porter, the Globe, reported that and said no crutches. So doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that he avoided serious injury, but Obviously, it is better than, you know, if you had seen him on crutches already right after the game. So, um, or in I like guess, a brace or like anything. Yeah. Like that. I guess what, and I tweeted this at the time, like what you're hoping for is that it was like straight back and just a straight hyperextension. Um, because while painful, you that is not a super serious injury. Like, you can recover from that fairly quickly. What you don't want is any sideways movement where ligament damage gets involved. Or or then... movement that's so that's not just straight. It's like bent where your, your leg comes forward of your knee. That's never well, good either. That's yeah, the worst not. case scenario, which we didn't see. But also like certain some of that ligament damage, if I think like meniscus um, and MCL, if you tear it, uh, you're not walking unassisted. So um, that's at least my basic knowledge of it. Um, yeah, it depends. Because like in ACL, you you can walk on. Like, you But can I actually... think meniscus and MCL, yeah. you can't. Um, so maybe that means it's not those. We're just, you know, with our limited, as we've gone over several times, our limited um, doctor or you know medical experience or examinations i i shouldn't be the one talking because i have a completely effed up knee that's needed surgery for two years and i still haven't gotten it so but when i get injured i had to have people carry me out so maybe i'm just a baby or something i mean i would like not to put negative thoughts in people's heads but i would also point out like last year with um jacob zaboros torn acl he he neither he he nor the team thought it was a torn ACL right away. And Zaboro was actually like walking around. He said he was literally walking around the seaport when he got the call from the doctor with the results saying it was a torn ACL. So, you know, you can't you can't always tell right away, but again, at least he wasn't on crutches immediately after the game. My thoughts too when I saw it was thank God the nets break away like they have the pegs they come loose because if that net doesn't pop off he's just stuck between Bergeron coming this way the net not letting him slide backwards at all and his leg would have literally crunched the other way if that net didn't have the ability to to break away it definitely stopped the impact from being as bad as it could be and, you know, it's not always how the net used to be. So it's it, it makes a big difference on plays like that where, you, you know, you don't notice it all the time, but that play you're like, okay, that could have been a lot worse. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Um, and fortunately, Lena Solmark was able to stay healthy the rest of the game. So he got an unconventional victory um, when he got Yeah, we pulled. didn't get the emergency backup. No, no. I had my phone on speed dial, but I never got the call. Uh, <laughs> so they actually commented on, on television um, when Omar got pulled. Well, there goes Omar's 6-0 record to start the year. Um, but <laughs> little did it know, unconventionally, he finally 
damned if he doesn't, damned if he does. He's finding a way to get back in there. So obviously he went back in relief um, and, and, you know, played well. Didn't give up another goal. Um, but, you know, the Bruins, more so than anybody in the league, they really rely on that one, the, the 1A, 1B, you know, goalie system in place now. So if Swayman is out long-term, um, I, I, Next man up, I guess. Would it would it, would it be who's the current starter in Providence? I I should is it know. Kaiser. It would be either Keith Kincaid or Kyle Kaiser. I I would have said Kincaid was probably ahead, but Kyle Kaiser's gotten off to a really good start down there. So I guess it could be him. But didn't Kincaid uh, get hurt early on too? What was that? Didn't Keith Kincaid get hurt in preseason or with Providence? He got it. Yeah, he, got he missed he missed the end of preseason with okay, with something. Was. Yeah. So, All right, so yes, there you go. Um, what did you think of Allmark's performance up until the point he got pulled? Like the first, the the five goals that he gave up? Because I personally wasn't really thinking like, okay, this was like on him. Like I just didn't feel like in most of the situations he was at least not the most at fault for most of those. No, I mean, they hung him out to dry for sure. The fifth goal was bad. That was one he should have had. And at the time, that really felt like a backbreaker because it was like, okay, 4-2, but, you know, you're still in it, especially with this offense. And then to immediately give up a fifth on a long shot that just beats him clean, uh, that was tough. I also thought the... Was that the first shot that he saw, though, after the, the previous goal? I believe so. So like that's sometimes that's hard for a goalie to, you know, you want to make that next stop. And then, you know, you're, you're are, you just gave up a goal. I think they came like less than a minute apart if I'm, if I'm not mistaken too. So it was like really quickly, um, they go from four, you know, giving up the fourth goal to giving up the fifth goal. Sometimes it's hard for a goalie to rebound, you know, right after like that. It was three, it was three in like a minute and 37 and final two were in like 20 seconds apart. I also thought, I think it was the third one that Josh Archibald, I didn't, he might not have been able to get it anyways, but he really didn't get, it was like, that was the one that was like a pass from kind of behind or the side of the net right up to the slot during uh, the delayed penalty call in Marshan. And, you know, it's in close. It's definitely a grade eight chance, but Elmark didn't really get set and almost like he didn't really track it well coming from kind of coming from like a little bit behind him. Um, so I didn't love that one either, but yeah, obviously the defense was, was the bigger issue, but that fifth goal, especially that was, that was a save you needed to make. So I I was okay with pulling him at that point. Um, you know, they needed to, need to do something to shake it up. And I certainly didn't think all Mark had, had his best. Two questions. Was this the defense's worst game and was this all Mark's worst game? Defense's worst game was Ottawa. Yeah. Definitely. But this was and, definitely all Mark's worst game so far. I mean, I, that Ottawa game was, that was, I mean, that made pond hockey look like lockdown defense. Um, this and game, there were similarities to that game, right? Like it looked like the Bruins were maybe going to have this, you know, still remain, you know, scoring at least, you know, four goals, even though they were, I thought going to lose, obviously they didn't, but it was like, okay, well, they're still scoring all these goals in what, you know, at, at times looked like it was going to be a loss. Um, so there was, there were those similarities to the Ottawa game, obviously another road game. Um, and 
it wasn't pretty defense, but you're right. It's probably still second to that, to that Ottawa game. Well, cause tonight, well, cause the, for me, the Ottawa game kind of felt like just 50 minutes of a shit show. Whereas defensively, whereas tonight's game, like we just kind of said, it was three goals in like a minute and a half in the second period. Um, you know, but other, you know, interest, interestingly enough, like the Bruins, there were a few go- the first two Penguins goals before what we just talked about. They both came at the end of a long Bruins possession shift where the Bruins were down in Pittsburgh's end. Like, you know, on TV they say, "Oh, what a great start Pittsburgh gets off to." It's like, well, the puck was in Pittsburgh end. It's Pittsburgh's end. The first 45, 50 seconds of the game, and they come down and score. So it's like, um. Yeah, I definitely say Ottawa was a worse game defensively overall. Um, but yeah, Allmark, yeah, he struggled in the first half. He was strong in the second half when he came back in. Still gets a win. Still gets a win. And by the way, like not easy to do, right? Like usually, if you're a goalie and you get pulled from a game, like if you're the backup goalie, you you're always mentally preparing because you could have to go in any minute. But when you're when you're the starter and you get pulled, you you kind of check out of the hotel at that point. So. Was, yeah, and was, he had walked back down into the locker room when he was pulled. He had gone back down to the locker room, probably regroup, probably be like, you know, take out some frustrations, you know, break your stick on the wall. I don't know. Um, some some guys do that. So, wow. no, you're right. And I was thinking to myself, too, like, I can't remember the last time I've seen a starting goalie, you know, have to come back in that quickly um, or even really at all. Yeah, once in a while it happens. Um, I wonder, I was thinking, I wonder if that's the first time that's happened to him. Oh, I mean, unless it happened in Buffalo, I don't think it happened in Boston. No, it definitely didn't happen mm-hmm. in Boston, but just like, is that the first time that's happened to him in his career? Um, I, I don't know, but, um, really, I guess the key takeaway, yeah, it wasn't perfect from Allmark. I'm still not concerned about Allmark. Um, I am concerned about Swayman's knee and we're going to follow that very closely. Let's, let's be honest guys. They had a lot of Reese's PCs this weekend. Okay, we saw the pictures. They were feeling they were feeling good. They deserve the weekend to have fun with the with, with the. Uh, there you go. With I literally the- had this in my <laughs> robe pocket, and I just remembered it when you said that. Bridget. Guys, I have so much leftover Halloween candy. Yeah, Scott <laughs> talked to us about that. You got all ready <laughs> for the, for the uh, trick or treaters, and you got what four? Yeah, th- this was yeah, first. You really had three. First, first Halloween at the new place. So you know, I want. I want to make sure it wasn't the person who ran out. Like I didn't want to be that jerk. So, and I <laughs> you don't want the kids egg in his house, brand new house. Like there are always like a lot of kids like playing like on the street and like around the uh, the condo complex. So I was like, oh, like I'm sure I'll get some. Got three, three trick or treaters all night. Well, you beat so me. I have an entire bowl of chocolate just sitting here, and I'm like, well. Guess I'm not making any plans for a diet until the new year. So. Well, I live in the middle of the woods, and we got zero. Yeah, so. it's it's interesting. I, I was talk I was talking about with uh, my siblings like when we were kids, um, like we my parents used to have anywhere from like 120 to 175 trick or treaters each year. But it's interesting, and but now the same neighborhood, it's like you know, maybe 10 kids. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's almost like, um, you know, what, where we grew up, like the neighborhoods around us, like all the parents are having kids at the same time, but now those kids yeah. are older. Like we're in like our twenties and, and, and some in their thirties and whatnot. And the parents are kind of like, you know, just retired age and they're still in their home. So there's no more kids there. 
Yeah, that's like that's what same thing where I grew up. It was like the entire neighborhood. Everyone seemed to have kids within like five or six years of each other in terms of age, and then like the whole neighborhood grows up. And now you know, I don't think there's really that many kids left there. And there's I, a lot I, of leftover peanut M and M's for us to eat. Is what's I literally I, uh, just had this in my pocket, so <laughs> that shows you how this is affecting my diet right off the bat. Oh man, um, I got a, I got a trick or treat question for you guys. Bruins Winter Classic logo reveal, which is the meth bear with the word Boston over it. Is that a trick or is that a treat? I'm that's a treat if you ask yeah, me. I like treat. I think I go treat. I go treat because you know what? Anything to like it's it's fun to look at. As as crazy as it looks, it's like okay, at least it wasn't boring. I mean and, and you bring, you bring back a month. You bring back, yeah, Meth Bear and Pooh Bear in the same season. It's, man, Pooh Bear's gonna wrap. Pooh Bear season's gonna wrap up in December, uh, and then they're we're immediately gonna flip the calendar to Meth Bear season. It's incredible. honestly, guys, I think it bodes well for a cup. I think it really does. I saw I saw a funny uh, I saw a funny um, tweet just now on uh, like a few minutes ago. It was like it was a picture of the Pooh Bear, and the caption said when the game was five two, and then there was a picture of the Meth Bear, and then it says when the game was six five. <laughs> Was that Jeff Israel that tweeted that? It may have been. I don't. I, I, it wasn't somebody I follow. I, it was just the algorithm that pushed it through, or somebody retweeted it. Uh, I'll try to find it. Yeah, that was, that was that was good old Jeff Israel. Well, instead of instead of uh, Montgomery saying this team is a tiger, maybe he can just say this team is a meth bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I, I like how the Bruins in their press releases for you know first the reverse retro and now for this they could say Pooh bear but they're not going anywhere near meth bear <laughs> i think i think <laughs> we'll, they called we'll it cover it i yeah. think they called it the boston bear is like how yeah, they officially sure, refer to it sure. like yeah, yeah that's that's definitely what everyone's gonna call it the 80s southie bear <laughs> yeah um, let's see if on the broadcast winter classic broadcast we get anyone saying meth bear Probably not. My bet, my oh, bets on it, not. But is it TNT? Because I, bet I was going to say, if it's TNT, oh, Biz yeah, is definitely might. calling it Meth Bear. So yeah, true. <laughs> uh, I'm just right. hoping I'll be there. I, I me and Scott got to be up in the pre- warm this time, not mm-hmm. out in the cold. Because my yeah. God, was that a horrible experience when I went to the one at Gillette, froze my ass off, and they got killed by the Canadians. And I'll also, be- none of the fans were. I was in a section where I feel like I was surrounded by some of the dumbest people I've ever sat at a sporting event with. So, <laughs> wow. sorry if you guys were near me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it was bad. And by the way, those freaking intermission concerts that they have on TV, you're like, oh, this is cool. You know, they got whoever doing the intermission. And then when you're there, you're like, just get back to hockey. I'm freezing my ass off. <laughs> Please get this guy yeah. off the stage. I'm like, I liked this artist, but right now he's my worst enemy. Please get, please get away. Please bring the hockey players back on. And so I can, you know, get, get out of here sooner. By the way, for those who may not know, um, the, while it's the second winter classic at Fenway. Um, so a good thing they're spreading the wealth around the league. Um, it's going to look different because they're, they're setting up the ice the complete other way, right? It's going to be vertical as opposed to horizontal. So it's going to go from like, call it like the, like the, like first base, to the monster type thing. Is that, is that what I'm getting, what I'm figuring? 
Yeah, I saw the layout and I already forget it now. But yeah, you're right. It is going to be a different uh, better better viewing. Layout. I would imagine it looked like it was going to be like more in the infield, like rather than centered. So that like if you're on the kind of like the third base side or um, you know like the le- kind of left field loge area, like you're going to be very close to the ice, much closer than you would have been before. So basically they're going to sell those for more money and then you're stuck out in the cheap seats in the right field bleachers where all the drunks are at the Red Sox anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the, the bleacher creatures aren't going to see shit over there. <laughs> as long as I'm in, you know, a decent spot to see the game and not cold, then that's, yeah. that's all I care. I won't be cold. I'll be, I'll be watching it on my phone probably in Florida, so... Oh yeah, Bridget. We're gonna have you do man on the street interviews out in the. Yeah, Yeah, no. Well, see, I'm worried because I work for Hockey East and they have Frozen Fenway too, and I'm like, usually I do play by play, but what if they're randomly like Bridget? You know what would be a great idea? You could do sideline. (laughs) You could do rinkside for this game right now. I think I might quit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, maybe you could. Maybe you could put on the. like the meth bear costume and be the be the mascot so at least you can keep oh yeah you know what those look warm they do look but i'm also afraid of mascots and meth bear so (laughs) yeah well see if we had just known this before halloween costume yeah well you could still wear it doesn't have to be halloween to dress up in a no i mean i could have been that for scott could have been that for halloween you know then he would have had no (laughs) trick-or-treaters Did you dress up, Scott? What'd you dress up as? I did not dress up. I didn't you do anything. Very, very boring. I was fittingly an angel. How is that fitting? <laughs> That's the joke. I get a kick out of it because I know how far it is from the truth. In fact, the halo was like falling off. I was like, it knows it's not supposed to be up here. So anyway, I feel the like we've walk- ended up on the quite a tangent. The angel walking around with peanut M&Ms in her pocket. Mm-hmm. I did bring cookies, so that helps my case. Yeah, that's angelic for sure. But but being you know being angelic really isn't all that much fun. I found out it's much more much more fun to you know be able to swear and do other things like that that are fun. Like I swore at the TV today during that okay. Bruins game. <laughs> You're getting crazy over there, holy smokes! I'm like Melvin, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Oh, well, by the he, way, he came in second place in his costume contest. Yeah, that's a that, that was a that's a he got he got jobbed on that one. Oh yeah, the the guy who won, the guy who won, he had a llama costume on, and it didn't even. The guy fit. had the costume on, or his dog had the costume on. <laughs> the dog. When oh, I was okay. explaining this to my brother, he thought that a, like a legit llama won the dog Halloween costume contest. Well, he's like, that's, that's what cheating. I. For like a split second, that's what I thought when you texted us because you said Melvin <laughs> lost to a llama, and I was like, I was like, I thought this was just a dog contest. You know? Honestly, I wouldn't have even been mad if it was a real llama. I'd be like, no, guys, that was a great move. You know what? I respect it because not everyone has a llama to just break. No, but he lost to a dog dressed as a llama, and I think you know, in in our hearts, he was always gonna win first place in it, his little it hat. Reminds you, it reminds you of like those like you know when you see like a really like full grown, like adolescent kid playing a sport with like a bunch of kids his age, but they're all, but he's overgrown. And it's like, sir, this person, this kid's not, this kid's not 10 years old. He's clearly <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. 
This llama's on steroids in this dog contest. <laughs> it was Danny fun. Monte in the Little League World Series. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. I am 12. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was saying. Yep, you got it. All right. Uh, is well, there anything I'm, else? Because we're three well of us beyond. Are right now, so, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Virgie, you good? I think so. Everything else can at least wait because at this point we've lost everyone. So, yeah, you've lost me too. All right. (laughs) We'll talk soon.